Thank you for joining us as we explore the world of cannabis. This is Cannabinerds. Today, we are joined by Dr. Ricardo, a cannabologist, and we will be discussing how we are in the golden age of cannabis research. He dives into the ECS, entourage effect, efficacy of terpenes, and how indica and sativa are not exactly what you think they are. Thanks for listening. Welcome, everybody, to another great episode of Cannabinerds. I am David. I have Rachel. We actually have another Cannabiner today, again. Mm-hmm. Yeah? So, from the Department of Anesthesiology, Pharmacology, and Therapeutics at the University of British Columbia, as well as the designated cannabinologist and advisor for various companies around the world, and also the host of the wonderful podcast, Cannabis Science Podcast. We have Dr. Ricardo Rivera. And I just have one question to get off right off the bat. What's one fascinating thing about you that not many people would know? Honestly, um, it's that I'm I, I'm always learning. I'm always doing new things. Uh-huh. I, I'm not scared of trying something new and getting going headfirst into that. Uh, I mean, I'm a... I'm a licensed uh, or certified scuba dive instructor. Oh, really? Decided, Yeah, I decided to begin diving. I've been diving since I was little, but yeah, like just like I did it once a few times and got certified and that's it. And then in the cold waters of the North Pacific, I kind of was like, ah, let's try this again. And uh, <laughs> went all the way to school instructor. Uh-huh. Um, I practiced Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu with my partner. Been doing that for a few years. Oh, wow. Like really love that. Do you combine yeah. the two? Do you do some Jiu-Jitsu underwater? Uh, I've been trying to, yeah. Like uh, <laughs> whenever I do the James Bond sort of fight scene yeah. underwater, uh, that'll be interesting. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, the, uh, the, what we've done, I can't relate to scuba diving, but we have gone snorkeling in the Great Barrier Reef. That was just absolutely fantastic. I can maybe go down twenty feet before compression was happening, and I, I I don't have the scuba diving experience, but that's the closest I can relate to. It's pretty fascinating, though. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's, it is really cool. Um, and then similar to that, like I've been, I've been diving headfirst lately into goldsmithing and silversmithing. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. So you are a jack of all of the trades, huh? <laughs> I, I, I just, I like to try new things. And, uh, and yeah, that's, that's one of the reasons why like I kind of dove into this cannabis world Okay. because, um, yeah, I was, you know, doing pharmacology somewhat related to what I was doing before, um, in terms of like, uh, uh research different drugs and this and that and i realized that you know there's something to this let's continue exploring this and i was like one thing led to another and and here we are so could you briefly explain what the cannabis culture is like in canada that's that's a bit of a tough question it's (laughs) kind of complex actually because uh i mean i would say i would say that the Cannabis culture in Canada is divided into two groups, very similar to the U.S. Um, there's this old school, you know, group of cannabis enthusiasts. And then there's the business cannabis entrepreneurs that see things a little bit differently. Um, and in general, things have been changing very quickly towards a more tightly regulated corporate controlled structure, um, which is not something that I'm super enthused about because I, I honestly think there should be two different streams here. But um, in, in general, there is definitely, I think compared to a lot of the places that I've been, I've been to, I've been all over the world in terms of like working for the cannabis industry, like uh, Netherlands and all over South America and 
Actually, I've been to Africa, but not for this. And I'm very curious to see how they how they treat things here, mm-hmm. and a little bit of Asia, and and in general in Canada, there seems to be a, a very large thriving cannabis consumer culture. Uh, there definitely is a very large and in, 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 um, a connoisseur culture. Now, doesn't compare to the amount of people that are consuming cannabis, like for example in Chile. Yeah, um, that's that definitely blew my mind. Um, if, if there's people who are really uh, I'm not going to say cannabis nerds, but definitely cannabis enthusiasts yeah. around the world, like the largest group, I would say are Chilens. Wow. <laughs> okay. That's awesome. Yeah. Now we so, have um, to go for sure. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So you uh, were talking about how it was a corporate controlled uh, kind of culture in the cannabis industry in Canada. What can you just elaborate just a little bit on that? Well, it's just because, you know, I mean, I have, I have no problems with the, the industry itself is, is multifaceted and dynamic, but the way that the government has structured things has neglected many of the smaller craft consumers. Because you know what? Like everything in this world, you you need you need craftspeople. You need a uh, people that are producing a product that's like maybe more artisanal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's being neglected here. I think uh, largely in favor of the you know monoculture and in, in air quotes uh, larger. Uh, corporate, like larger grow operations that require like, you know, millions of dollars to start and, and operate. And we've seen kind of what's happening with that, that world here in Canada. Okay. Um, so it's kind of like a, a Walmart of cannabis as opposed yeah. to little boutiques, like mom, and to- mom, mom and pop, pop shops, where it's really yeah, craft, exactly. a vertical, uh, vertical integration as far as farm to shelf. Precisely. And, and I think the people, the smaller you get in terms of the structure, the the more you can cater to a specific clientele, and totally. the more you can understand what the what the people that you're selling to want, right? Right. Yeah. Um, what they need, and so yeah, exactly what they need. You, you have a better, a more direct relationship, and I and I think that's very important with with patients, with medicinal cannabis patients. You know? Right. Exactly. Yeah. As far as like bud tenders knowing chemovars, cultivars, and relaying that information properly to, to the, the consumer and to patients. Uh, I would go as far to say as that would be almost a medical doctor kind of uh, or uh, pharmacy. We have talked about the endocannabinoid system in previous episodes. Um, I think it was intro to endos. But in your words, briefly explain the endocannabinoid system in your own words. All right. So let's let's give this a shot. <laughs> <laughs> so so. The endocannabinoid system, or the ECS, as it's often called, it, it's it's not really one thing, but many things that come together. Now, I know that I've had people criticize my definition. I mean, people that are in this industry, not really in this industry, but the scientists that have heard me use this definition before say it's too simple, but I assure you that it's correct. It's in its simplest form, we have a set of neurotransmitters that cre- created on demand, which I can mention more about later. Mm-hmm. that interact with the currently known CB1 and CB2 receptors, the cannabinoid receptors that are currently established, right? Yes. And there's other receptors here, but, you know, um, and from many of which I've worked with, but the only ones that are directly related to cannabinoid that are called cannabinoid receptors are the CB1 and CB2. Now, there's a lot more to this, and there's, you know, like this this set of channels that are like called the trip B-class channels, of ion channels that are like um, pain, sense, pain sensors and other channels that interact with cannabinoids. But in essence, it's this ubiquitous and abundant communication system in the body 
that is in its most basic form in charge of managing and controlling the rest and relaxation in all its form. This includes and and then and this is this is I think this is the criticism that I've had before. Like, oh, it does so many things more than rest and relaxation. Yeah, but that's everything that it's like. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the autonomic nervous system, but there's two sort of competing systems in the human body. There's the sympathetic and parasympathetic. You know, sympathetic is in charge with fight, flight, or freeze. Okay. And parasympathetic is in charge with um, rest and relax. And here. This is where the cannabinoid or the, the endocannabinoid system lies. Now, it's it's maybe a little more pervasive because in this case, the endocannabinoid system is in charge with cognition. This includes mood and memory, mm-hmm. appetite, sleep regulation, stress management, anxiety, or lack thereof. I mean, this is actually interesting because they've done studies looking at baseline endocannabinoid levels in people, mm-hmm. and they found that people who are more neurotic tend to have less endocannabinoids present, baseline endocannabinoid levels present in their in their body. Okay. These are the system is is distributed not just in the central nervous system and peripheral nervous system, but really all over the body, including, you know, immune cells and so and so forth. And in fact it's it's kind of interesting because it's also directly involved with with pain. Pain sensation, like I mentioned before, and even the, the so called runner's high. Um, right, is attributed yeah. to to the endocannabinoid system. But yeah, in essence, it's it's a it's really fascinating because this is something that's been discovered really, and that continues to be elaborated on in the last few years. There's been a lot of, I guess maybe the last thirty years, which is which is relatively recent in in scientific parlance. But it's it's been shown to be incredibly important for so many baseline baseline um, uh, functions in the human body without this system i mean we would be which has been shown actually with drugs that block some of the components of the system for example we we would be out of whack i mean there's been drugs that have been identified so so there's a compound called romanoban which is based upon a it interacts with the endocannabinoid system blocking certain things and they had to discontinue it because what they found was they're using it for um, diet. They're using it for like people who wanted to reduce weight, and it was very effective. But when you mess with the system, you can actually cause people to dysregulate their mood to 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 a point where it actually suicides occurred. People committed suicide. Oh yeah. wow! Just they were so out of whack. Yeah, exactly. So it's incredibly important for a lot of just the baseline functions. And again, people disregard the value of of recovery and rest. For the human body, but it is an essential function, and it's it's incredibly important for homeostasis, right? Right, yeah, it has a lot to do with the balance, from what I'm hearing. If you're lacking any kind of endocannabinoids, that would that would just throw your body totally off balance. And what you're saying is, in your research, that you have actually found the extreme part of that: uh, people actually being highly depressed or to the point of suicide. Exactly. This episode is brought to you by TheHempJar.com. You know, CBD oil is everywhere. Gas stations, pillows, I've even seen it on pizza. It's hard to figure out where to start or what's even good. Neuroscientists and doctors are discovering that the more compounds in hemp or oil products, the more synergistic balance one can obtain. That's why products from the hemp jar contain every natural compound, about 480, not just the handful that common CBD oil provides. 
The hempchar.com delivers the whole genetic code of the plant and delivers it right to your front door. Feel the difference by going to thehempjar.com and entering in promo code CANNABINERDS10 for 10% off any order. Every natural compound giving the most relief for you and your wallet. Thehempjar.com in its most natural form. What research have you been working on or what have you found groundbreaking related to the ECS? I mean, even as far as certain cannabinoids. Well, well, I mean, honestly, new things are discovered all the time that are incredibly exciting. My work has never been directly with the ECS, although I understand it quite well. Mm-hmm. Um, our main research is really focused in therapeutic efficacy of cannabis cultivars or cannabis strains to treat specific diseases. So okay. we've, we've, one of the, one of the, I guess, criticisms of science overall is that oftentimes there's this focus on in vitro or cellular work, like, um, in vitro means in glass. So it means, um, like we're looking at directly some of these cells interacting with cannabinoids and so on. And we've decided to, to bypass that and go straight to preclinical clinical trials. Okay. So using whole cannabis, you know, cannabis extracts and so on. Cause we want to tease out, we wanted to tease out like what the therapeutic effects are actually of these cannabis, of these cannabinoids together. Because mm-hmm. one thing that is definitely very interesting is that all this is a dynamic, dynamic, uh, environment and the, the interaction between all these cannabinoids together with the endocannabinoid system in general is really what's it, it's it's not just complex but it's the idea is that these things together function much better than them separately so right now for example we've discovered that we definitely identified for example um the use of these specific cultivars for acute pain neurological pain uh nausea control and thermal regulation or like uh, temperature sensation in the body Right. Um, as well as the ideal ratios that to manage these conditions. Mm-hmm. But besides that, like, I mean, I'm trying to, one of the things that actually was fascinating for me for the endocannabinoid system, like going back a little bit to that question is, so I, I was recently in this conference in Chile where we had this, I can't remember the name of the scientist. He's freaking amazing. He's, uh, uh, um, the name's going to come to me later. Uh, <laughs> he, he's, he's one of the guys who was there from the very, very, very beginning. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And he argues, he argues even before Raphael Michelin. <laughs> and, and, but he was with him together. He's actually the person who synthesized, who, who isolated, purified, and then synthesized anandamide. Okay. So anandamide is, I'm not sure, I'm sure, you, I'm not sure you're familiar with anandamide, but I'm sure you are. Yeah, um, just briefly it, explain. It, yeah. Yeah. Is, is the, uh, the first of the endocannabinoids that was found, right? Mm-hmm. So because they've discovered this receptor, then they discovered this compound, and they began to do, you know, experiments with both of them. Um, anandamide was essentially the first terminal cannabinoid that was found in the human body. And then there, there's another one that's called two um, adenyl gristle two uh, AG. I'm going to take the the acronym for that right now, but two uh, <laughs> AG. It's kind of it's kind of a tongue twister a little bit. Oh yeah, yeah. David's I, tried to pronounce it, and it was pretty inter- entertaining. Yeah, if anybody <laughs> listens to this regularly, I, I don't pronounce the stuff that accurately. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, so so it's like it's in. I guess you know what the thing that I find the most fascinating about the endocannabinoid system is really how in 
the initial the the beginnings of the the endocannabinoid system like discovering about how the system worked and everything related to that it was a really fascinating and and uh, vigorous like research community that was very tightly knit and were working together really hard to to resolve these things and now i honestly think right now is the golden age of cannabis research mm -hmm. um not in the 60s or the 70s. I think right now it really is the golden age of cannabis research because the doors have been opened to doing this uh, much more, you know, regularly and around the world. It's know, a lot more acceptable in society. What I hear you're talking about is more or less the entourage effect, even though technically, scientifically, it's still kind of a theory. But the more and more research that comes out in this golden age where we're allowed to do all this research and even having grants to do all this research, we're finding more and more from what you're saying that this quote unquote entourage effect is more true. It's it's not it's becoming it's coming out of a theory into something that's more solid. Well, I'd like to actually say that that's not really a, um, it's not really debated. Uh, so the entourage effect, uh, some people say the entourage effect is not the same as synergism. Uh, I would disagree. Mm -hmm. I would say synergism is, is, is definitely the entourage effect. But the, these are things that have been observed for a long time in cannabis research and actually through the work that we've done and others as well. Uh, you know, we've definitely established that this is this is this is a fact like the whole is greater than the sum of its parts like cbd uh just by itself does not work as well as cbd with a little bit of thc uh cbd and a little bit of thc with additional cannabinoids seem to work better mm -hmm. uh, and there's 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 pharmacological methods used to test this uh called isobolographic analysis that you can actually we've done and other groups have done but and There's what exactly is isobolographic research so, molecules? So, so isobolographic analysis is actually just a, a statistical. It's a way of um, uh, visualizing synergy. It's a way of, like, for example, you you, you test an effect. Let's say you test uh, pain reduction in in a mouse model or mm -hmm. a human model, and you and and again, it gets exponentially more complex as you add molecules. But right. let's say you have THC and CBD. Mm -hmm. Well, in the case of THC. You see, okay, um, there's this effect, and you plot it with a specific formula. And if it's if it's just a a you know additive effect, like the more you increase in dose, the it just you see a straight line. Mm -hmm. And if there's synergy between, for example, an additional molecule, then you start seeing this these um, convex or concave curves that occur. Okay, and that's a direct way of determining how much synergy is present in a set of of compounds, for example, uh, it, it's actually it's a little bit more complex than that, of course. But essentially, it, it's a toolbox. It's a one of the many tools that pharmacologists have to be able to um, determine whether or not synergy is actually occurring. From what we've researched and what we've heard, uh, terpenes have a lot to do with that synergy and um, homeostasis and a lot of the efficacy of even cannabinoids themselves. So we know what terpenes are, but briefly explain for even first time listeners uh, how they actually play a role in the ECS and the uh, entourage effect and what we're talking about. So David and Rachel. Um, I, I I don't think you're gonna like what I'm gonna have to say about this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all ears. We're uh, we're here to learn. Um, so so actually we've 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 explored this quite a bit, and um, you know, uh, as a pharmacologist, 
uh, with direct experience with these compounds, I have a little bit of a, of a differing view about about you know many of these observations that have been seen by industry colleagues. Um, I mean, it all, it all depends on semantically what you mean by terpenes because cannabinoids themselves are, are terpenes, actually. In essence, they're terpenes. They're uh, built from the building blocks that same, same you know, mono dye and triterpenes are they're founded upon. Um, okay. But overall, though, regarding these monoditri and sesquiterpene compounds, there's actually very little evidence that terpenes play a role in directly in the therapeutic effects that are associated with cannabis and, and the ECS. This, of course, is taking into account that, for example, pain is considered both an emotional and sensory experience. So this, I'm not at all like saying that terpenes uh, don't have a significant role or play a role in in the therapeutic effects, the, the, the overall effects produced by cannabis, because as we all know, like, uh, for example, in the case of if th- there's pain and some of these, uh, some of these things are so complex mm-hmm. that, for example, adding maybe lavender oil or something to, to, to a room could help soothe somebody through, you know, memories and a lot of other mechanisms that, True. that yeah. don't necessarily involve the ECS, but through du- direct observation through these systems, the same as we have been talking about before, um, you know, doing some of these experiments, it it seems that in the case of terpenes, they're really, and, and the level that they occur in, in cannabis, there doesn't seem to be a direct molecular clinical interaction that has yet to be shown, despite what some of my non-pharmacology pharmacologist colleagues may suggest. Um, I, I by no means, and I've actually been trying to resolve this for quite a while because I've had people tell me like, shut up, like, you're, <laughs> <laughs> like you don't know what the heck you're talking about. But, um, and, and I kind of uh, use, I, I kind of have this foundation, very, very classical pharmacologist foundation from my, my mentor who's a, a very old school British guy who's like been there from uh, eons in, in the industry with discovery of all these different drugs and he mm-hmm. boasts that he's put drugs into man, you know, all these things. Mm-hmm. But um, the whole thing is that like there are a few terpenes, um, especially sesquiterpene compounds, like for example, stevia from steviacide or, or steviacide from stevia that have demonstrated, for example, efficacy with regards to reducing blood pressure and heart rate in patients that may be having compromised uh, cardiovascular function. Mm-hmm. But um, compared to, for example, conventional therapies, or, or they haven't been explored all the way through because compared to conventional therapies, they maybe weren't as effective. But the, the, the terpenes that are found in cannabis, none of them are very, are unique to cannabis, let's put it that way. They, they occur in a bunch of other things. Right. Again, this is, this is a very complex, uh, issue and I don't want to, I don't ruffle anybody's feathers here. Cause oh, no. honestly, like, we honestly, like having differing I, views and hearing all sides in your research with just the cannabinoids, you see certain efficacies and synergism between those molecules and combinations of each thereof, but terpenes aren't, don't play a necessary role in the research that you've currently done. So are we talking, you know, terpenes don't necessarily affect, you know, how much pain relief you'll get, but I'm just curious because, you know, when I go into a medicinal shop and, you know, you get told this is a sativa, you know, and some sativas, as they say in the stores, you know, some sativas are more racy, some sativas are more relaxing to the mind. And I'm so does that not have anything to do with 
the terpene levels in the that specific strain or so it's actually interesting because there there has been some research done on the the actual differences um and then because there's there's different levels here right there's the uh what's called the uh the chemotype or the presence yeah. of the, the the chemicals that are found in the cannabis plant right mm-hmm. and the and and the genotype and so i'm i'm very i'm helping some colleagues actually moving towards more genotyping because this is one thing that is is an issue in cannabis is that you know we've put all these very whacking names to plants but uh-huh. <laughs> the, the, the 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 following of that uh you know that like the lineage is has made it very difficult right right uh, so you never know so, <laughs> yeah exactly so we want to really identify okay um there's been a, lot, a few studies done with regards to this uh for so let me actually let me digress a little bit so um i have a colleague in the netherlands very well-known uh cannabis scientist called arno Haskamp, who's actually explored the the chemical differences between, for example, the the known sativas and the known indicas, and it, it's fascinating because the in the case of so the cannabis profile is different, or or there is no significant difference between the cannabis profile of sativas and indicas, but there definitely is a difference in the terpene or terpenoid profile. So. Um, don't ask me to define terpenes and terpenoids. Like, <laughs> there's a hydrogen, but essentially, essentially, um, the indicas I believe have terpenoids and more terpenoids, and the sativas have more terpenes. And so, the, there has been this potential association between the the presence of these constituents and the the anecdotal maybe couch lock effect or, yeah. or racing effect that occurs. Um, that hasn't been validated yet, but there's definitely these these differences in, in the uh, in the terpene profile, terpenoid profile of these cannabinoids. But that is sort of the first step. The next step is okay. Now we want to identify really what, because I'm not sure you're familiar with land races, right? I'm sure you're very familiar with what are called land races. No, uh, no, I, I haven't heard of that. Cannabis, because of its development with humans for thousands of years, had time to evolve to specific uh, regional ecosystem okay yeah right through um, wild and human uh, cultivation or promoted cultivation uh, throughout the world there have been regions where we have these local cannabis aka strains or cultivars not really cultivars because they're not one type but like these regional strains or, or somewhat not even you can even say call them maybe subspecies mm-hmm. to a certain point of cannabis uh, strains that are are specific to to different parts of the world, like you know, uh, to Russia, to China, to there used to be one in Japan. Supposedly, that hasn't been observed for a long time. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch in South America, okay, um, in Africa, and, and there used to be some in North America. I mean, there's still actually there's a few in North America and so on. And now this has become rare and rare. They're, they're, it's finding these has become much more difficult. But essentially, from from here. We have had diversity and um, diversification gen- genetically, right. and what we've observed is that the the what are called the indicas, or they're 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 trying to look for a new name because they uh, they want to kind of really redefine this because there's actually Indian strains that should be called indica instead of uh, the indicas that we know of, but uh, regardless, hmm. like the, the indicas seem to have a very unique and broad. Uh, genetic profile whereas sativas that those have been the ones that have been more prevalent throughout the world or mm-hmm. so-called sativas seem to have a more conserved genetic profile because of of more 
direct human intervention, like uh, propagation, so on. And and so what interestingly is that there's, you know, for example, in Jamaica, you have what's called Jamaican slam bread, right? I'm sure you've heard about this, right? There's a strain in Jamaica called Jamaican slam bread that's like well-known, very, uh, you know, uh, uh, what's called traditional strain. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. for the longest time, for the longest time, Jamaicans have said, oh, this is a 100% pure indica. But when you look at the genetics of it, in fact, it looks much more similar to a pure sativa. I mean, sorry, the other way around. The Jamaican said it was a pure sativa, and it actually looks like a pure indica. Interesting. So the effects of what you think a plant has, so you label it a sativa because of the effects it gives, when you look at it under a microscope and, and really dig in deep... In fact, it's the total opposite, exactly. or a different a different cultivar. It could be completely different, exactly. I wow. Mean, and okay. Even, even in the case of uh, similarly named uh, cultivars, like or similarly named strains, like uh, you know, white widow. Let's mm-hmm. uh, even a white widow tested by uh, a group, let's say in California, a group in Vancouver, and a group in, in Boston will will have maybe will be completely different. It will not be the same uh, uh, type of plant at all. And so this is where, like, I think it's it's really interesting because to to better serve, I think the, the the cannabis market, I think we need to better define these different strains. Because again, I'm not I'm not saying that the terpenes don't have an effect at all. I'm definitely not saying that. And and again, there's many more things than terpenes and in, in can and cannabinoids in the plant. Quite fascinating. The flavonoids, canaflavins, yeah. all those kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. But they this I mean, it's like you like certain flowers because of the way they look and the way they smell and and that's the same with cannabis like you know we like certain things because of properties that are not just the therapeutic or what the so-called therapeutic components because of what's really there i mean i i strongly believe in mindfulness and stuff like that. that's why i'm like going into this sort of tangent but yeah. <laughs> um the essentially um uh, it's it, it's it's a, it's not so simple as to say like uh um you know Terpenes do this, for example, or, mm-hmm. or terpenes do that. Like, So, as you all know, we are cannabinoids, and that means we absolutely love bringing the cannabis industry to your ears and all of the details that come with that. But we also love your partnership and support. A lot of work goes into creating each episode and keeping it free for everybody. You can support Cannabinerds continuing to do that by becoming a Patreon. Becoming a Patreon for Cannabinerds comes with several perks like ad-free episodes, bonus episodes, and even some sweet Cannabinerds t-shirts and hats. To become a Patreon, head over to CannabinerdsPodcast.com. Click on the Patreon button. It's that easy. It's been amazing being a part of Cannabinerds, so we invite you to join us so you can be a Cannabinerd too. Oh, it seems like it's a lot more subjective, you know? I always. Person yeah, yeah, yeah. It reminds me of. So if I have a hankering for something, my body's telling me I have a hankering for a banana. I just haven't had a banana in a while. My body. Uh, there's some. Want some potassium. Yeah, I want some <laughs> potassium. There's some kind of. Uh, urge that I need to get something that a banana has. I kind of have a theory, and it's just very speculative at this point. Uh, if you're in a head jo- or a, a dispensary, and you have all these different varieties, and you're smelling them, and you're like, "That one smells good." That might have the efficacy that you need. Our bodies tell us what we need. So I just have this working theory that's very 
no basis whatsoever. But I'm just wondering if we smell something a a specific cultivar and it's attractive and it's like, ooh, that's that's what I'm liking. You know, that's what I need. That's what my body's telling me I need. So it kind of sounds like you're kind of saying something like that as well. Where it's yeah, a, no, actually, more yes, subjective. Yes, yes, 100%. Actually, that's the way I guide my my pickings. I, I definitely yep. guide myself via my, my my senses, my my taste, like like my the sense of smell, for example, the sense of taste. Like I I guide myself. I don't, I don't base my choice on what the bud tender says. This is I actually base my choice on oh, this smells good. I like the way this looks, mm-hmm. and so that's that's what I what I use as a as a, the criteria. Um, because yeah, if you smell something and you like it, you're likely going to, you know, or you already have a, uh, a predisposition toward, let's put it that way. Right. Yeah. That's my, my little local mom and pop shout out to the secret stash. They're awesome, but they're just a little mom and pop medicinal place here. And that's what they always say. They're just like, just give it a smell and, you know, see what you think. And I, I like that. What projects are you currently working on right now? So there's t- too many. <laughs> <laughs> what's what's um, one or two that pop out at you? Um, I'm actually right now working with this uh, fantastic uh, family company, um, the developers, and they've really opened the doors for myself and my partner to begin to develop what we've always wanted, which is a creating a state-of-the-art cannabis research facility. We've had this massive um available to us for for more than just cannabis actually we're gonna we're going to be exploring other for example technologies like clean technologies water purification technologies my partner's a chemical engineer and she's like got all these really awesome projects but um the idea is that we really want to create highly purified cannabinoids and other constituents uh, for the for use in in legitimate therapeutic products like because um, i i i have this view that you know the needs for the medicinal patient, the the medicinal cannabis patient, are somewhat different from that from the recreational from the recreational user, right? Oh yeah, right. And and so um, this is something that from the research that we've done before, I've been very curious about continuing to explore. For example, this this thing about terpenes, I really want to explore that further. I want to explore that because because actually, um, I I spoke with this gentleman um, from a, a fascinating company, in Michigan, who maybe potentially getting the first FDA-approved cannabis drug available in the U.S. Um, and he, from his research, incorporated terpenes into his, um, into the pills that he, because he, he's creating, he created this uh, easy-to-dissolve or, or th- these pills that dissolve under your tongue mm-hmm. with different cannabinoid ratios and different terpene ratios. And he, he definitely, be- he said, you know what, I believe in the terpenes. I think that's part of it, so I'm going to include them. And, <laughs> and so... And so there's, uh, I'm exploring that further and purifying these constituents further for use by different uh, labs and, and research entities that really, because the thing is, this one of the problems that we have right now with overall in cannabis is that we've explored only, for the most part, CBD and THC, because these are the most prevalent, right? Mm, right. Oh, yeah. Um, but there's a whole host of other molecules absolutely i would say even even like let's say 10 or 11 that are that are you know at a certain at at somewhat of a measurable ratio Mm -hmm. and we really want to purify those and begin to create solution or a a product that maybe has them all and then begin to remove them to see kind of what what affects what and and yeah begin to tease out these effects overall because there's a lot there that hasn't been defined yet 
That is incredible. And that's kind of what we're trying to do. Yeah. I, I love to hear that. So how can people help out or contribute to your research? Well, I mean, invest <laughs> in us, I guess, no, but uh, mm-hmm. no, in all seriousness, I think like, um, you know, just if the best thing people can do is they could really advocate for the local governments and for uh, especially the federal government to, to begin right. <laughs> to open up the this this area for easier ways to research. Like right now, I can't do the research that I want to do in the U.S. as much as I'd like to. Mm-hmm. And especially in Puerto I have lots of colleagues back back home in Puerto Rico, which is part of the U.S., mm-hmm. um, that that are very interested in doing really fascinating research. It's mm-hmm. it's very difficult because it's it's illegal federally. Yeah. So um, I would say talk to your senators, talk to your representatives, and uh, make your voice heard in terms of uh, the the value that's required. That this is actually you know there there have been people that have really really benefited from cannabis use. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, really therapeutic cannabis use, um, sometimes even miraculously. Now, not everybody benefits from cannabis, but definitely those that do have seen, have had life changing experiences. So, um, there's definitely something there and this needs to be further explored. So yeah, you heard it. Dr. Ricardo's call to action is to be advocates and champions to get more research into facilities, into the government, into different places. Yeah. So that's a great way that we can be a part of what you're doing. So if you know anybody, cannabinoids, <laughs> if you know anybody out there, just make your voice, even social media. Social media is a great way. We just need more advoc- advocacy. We need more testing. We need more research. Even with drug tests, we need more research in that to be more accurate and stuff like that. So that is a great call to action, um, Ricardo. Where can people find you? Where Where can people get in contact with you, ask you questions. I know you have your podcast. It's a great podcast, and I would highly recommend anybody who's interested in cannabinoids going over to Cannabis Science Podcast. Great information. But where else, what what else can they do? Yeah, so you can look me up on Twitter at at, canna, at CannabisSciencePod or my website, CannabisConciencia.org. That's a, a play on words. Uh, mm-hmm. Cannabis conscience or with science, uh, yeah. So cannabisconciencia.org. Oh, um, I know I haven't. I didn't pick that up. Maybe it's my lack of uh, bilingualness, <laughs> but that's actually pretty clever. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, or or look me up. Uh, Google me. You can find. I'm not sure if I should put my uh, official email address here, but yeah. Uh, actually, yeah. At at info at cannabisconciencia.org. If you want to send me any messages or tweet at me more than happy i always like to listen to people's uh comments and and opinions on all these things so uh definitely reach out reach out please well thank you so much for coming on and giving us just an insight into the masses massive amount of knowledge that you have on this it's been really cool yes i appreciate you guys time I've learned a lot. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to process it. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, I'll put it together somehow. <laughs> it was a it lot be, of information. Let's take in, yeah. Let's yeah. take in at once. <laughs> Absolutely. But, yeah, and um, thank you if you're still listening. Thank you very much. And go check out Cannabis Science Podcast. Go subscribe to them. Listen to their episodes. Uh, give them a five-star review. Write a review. That's one great way that we can help advocate and continue the awesome research absolutely and that's how you can support what's going on not just us but reach out to the community cannabis science podcast thank you so much guys i really really appreciate it you guys have been awesome
Again, thank you to Dr. Ricardo Rivera from the University of British Columbia and Cannabis Science Podcast. So what exactly happened today? One, we are in the golden age of research. We just need more advocacy and the political spaces for that research to be done. Two, terpenes may not just be terpenes, but can also act as cannabinoids. And there is far more research to be done. Three, the entourage effect. More and more doctors, researchers, and neuroscientists are agreeing that this efficacy of constituents is becoming less and less of a theory and more of a reality. The sum is greater than the whole in the cannabis world. One plus one does equal five. You have been listening to Cannabinerds, exploring the world of cannabis. If you enjoy what you're listening to on iTunes or your favorite podcast app, give us a few stars, write a review, and tell your friends. It helps us out so much. And always, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Pod. If you want to get in touch with us, you can go to CannabinerdsPodcast.com. I'm David, reminding you to stay safe and take care of each other. Thank you for listening. <laughs>